Hi, I'm Devin Person. This podcast is a ritual, is a time and space spanning magic ritual steering reality towards a slightly better future. As your wizard, I believe real magic requires trust and authenticity, which is why I'll never allow advertisers in our ritual space. But creating this ritual takes work, as well as a steady supply of veggie burritos and illicit drugs. If you'd like to help this podcast become slightly better, please take a moment to visit patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual. You'll get access to bonus episodes, monthly virtual gatherings, wizard ebooks, psychedelic playlists, and best of all, the warm, fuzzy feeling of making the world a more magical place. Thank you so much to all who have, do, or someday will support this ritual. I believe in you. Your magic is real. In 30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you've left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard. Alienation. Karl Marx had a theory about estrangement and how it occurs in capitalist societies. When workers are trapped in the broader context of social classes and economic systems, they lose the ability to direct their own lives, a critical element of the human psyche. As this ability recedes, feelings of alienation and estrangement take over, and the individual feels lost in their own life, forced to go through motions that make no sense. Why do I spend my days making widgets? I can't afford these widgets. I don't even like widgets. Now, with the explosion of social media over the last two decades, alienation is increasing exponentially. Whether you're an influencer, a content creator, or just someone posting the occasional picture to their private Instagram account, we're all caught up in a cycle of production. Why do I spend my days scrolling these feeds? Why do I feel the need to post? I don't even like posting. As technology fences us into increasingly individualized, algorithmic ghettos, our options for real-world connection dwindle. Even pre-pandemic, church membership was plummeting, community organizations were disintegrating, and the number of friends the average adult can claim is falling into the low single digits. Post-pandemic, most of us know Netflix better than our neighbors, and friends are merely the familiar faces we see in a Zoom call. But is this outcome inevitable? Is the only endgame of technological progress alienation and emptiness? Funny enough, the person who believes it doesn't have to be that way also identifies as an alien. Unicol Unicron is the founder of Unicult, a fully online digital cult. It's a bit like what you'd get if a tech conference was held in a hip spiritual bookstore in Los Angeles. The title of Unicol's most recent book, 
a spiritual approach to emergent technology, our future with robots, AI, and mass data collection, even sounds like it could be the keynote speech at such a conference. But whereas most existing tech cults are about little more than brand loyalty, minimalist aesthetics, crypto pyramid schemes, and dubious libertarian politics, Unicult promotes an intriguing mix of spiritual awakening, social justice, and techno-utopianism. In other words, if you were trapped online during a global pandemic and wanted to find a church that could speak to your growing sense of overwhelming alienation, Unicult might be exactly what you're looking for. Now, in full transparency, when Unicult reached out asking if I'd like to chat with their glorious leader, I wasn't too sure about it. I try to be discerning about who I share my platform with, and certain types of New Age woo feel like a dangerous form of wishful thinking and spiritual bypassing. But I was intrigued and figured it would be worth a conversation, if nothing else. My encounter with Unicol reminded me of one of those Hollywood movies where an alien comes to Earth and the audience is never entirely sure if they're actually an alien or just someone who says they are, but is still transforming people's lives and having a positive effect. In a way, Unical feels like the sci-fi step-sibling of my wizardry, another millennial who looked out at our fucked-up world and said, well, I'll probably have more fun if I make up something and just go with that. As we spoke, I found Unical to be thoughtful, articulate, and surprisingly grounded. An alien offering us a way out of alienation, offering to lead others down the strange, surreal path that once helped them find their way back to themselves. So, whether or not you're ready to download the Kool-Aid, we can all learn something from Unicol, as together we find out how to start an internet cult. Unicol, welcome to Ritual Space. Thank you so much for having me. It is my absolute pleasure. What's our magic word going to be? Uh, rainbows. Rainbows. What a good one. All right. On the count of three. One, two, three. Rainbows. rainbows. Why rainbows? They mean a lot to me. Please go on. I could. <laughs> you want me to? <laughs> this is, you, you are going to have my full permission to go on throughout this episode. Yes, you're the guest. Rainbows, rainbows hold a deep significance in Unicol ideology. Um, we have a rainbow as part of our logo. Also, it really just represents the idea that we're all one, that we're all unique individuals. Um, the way that we conceptualize of the new age or of going into, you know, unitopia, which is our inevitable future, is through the spiritual singularity, which is a black and white duality spiral that on the other side, once you go through the event horizon, turns into a rainbow reality. So it's seeing the multitude of realities instead of just the good versus bad, black versus white reality. I love the combination of those themes, too, with how light is kind of a representation of unity because it's all of these different spectrums. And then the rainbow is revealing the diversity that is contained within that unity. Definitely. Uh, well, let's just ground ourselves in a little bit of, of linear time history uh, for listeners that aren't familiar with you and your organization. Um, how did this all come to be? Like, what is Unicult and what, what was its process of, of growing from a seed that started in your head? 
Unicult is a collaborative effort dedicated to the promotion of joy. It's a religion, it's an ideology, and eventually it will be like a multi-level business uh, situation where we have lots of different industries that we're affecting. But right now it's just a group. A cinematic universe, a film (laughs) franchise. Lots of different, yeah, there's. Merchandising, merchandising. (laughs) We want to have, you know, education models and um, reinvent sort of manufacturing with clothing and uh, distribution of resources with more uh, small scale, slow style um, manufacturing, you know, Uh, there's a lot of ideas, but really right now it's a group of people working together to make the world a better place, kind of similar to how you, your intention with this podcast. And it started back in 2012. I had made it Back when the world ended, right? It did too, right? And uh, we've, some of us saw clearly, you know, um, back then, and no offense if you didn't, but some of us clearly saw the same things that everybody sees now, which is, you know, seeing through the illusion of, politics and, you know, just all of the mind control and advertising and social media mind control that's happening. So for me, I, I had my awakening in 2012 and I, I had survived a very serious suicide attempt and very mm-hmm. serious depression. So I was working in a falafel restaurant, you know, with my college degree in English thinking, what the heck am I doing here? You know, like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. And I, I was praying falafel's on Falafel's not even an English word. It's like the worst thing you could be doing with your degree. I used to call it full, full awful, you mm. know, because I just hated it so much. But it wasn't it wasn't the worst thing. But I wanted to do more with my life than worry about how much lettuce goes on a sandwich. You know, that was mm-hmm. I had more more ideas than that. So I was, uh, you know, calling up to the heavens, more like the ceiling of my car, you know, in, in a mm-hmm. period of agony, which I experienced a lot. And I said, what am I even doing here? You know, like, what, what am I even supposed to do? And I got this very, what I would call complete download. Um, and I, and I said, I can't do that. That's, there's no architecture because I saw the vision of the future and I realized I'm here to build the architecture for the future. So I got to work and I, I created Unicult and, uh, I started it online. I started it mostly on Tumblr and on Craigslist. I would make posts like, are you ready to join a cult on Craigslist? And since then, it's grown It's grown quite a lot. Uh, what led you to, to kind of um, reclaim the word cult? It's a word that has a lot of negative connotations uh, in popular culture. What led you to, to try and rehabilitate that? I knew it was a radical thing to do that was never lost on me, but originally I realized that groups of people are the most powerful force on the planet. I knew that I couldn't do what I want to do alone. And so I thought about all the different types of groups that exist. And I recognized the importance of spirituality in my life and in the role of just human happiness. We, I, I see a lot of people suffering because we don't have solid um, connection to something higher. So I knew that it was going to be spiritual and I knew it was going to be a group of people. And I, I wanted to call it uni collective, you know, but my heart just rebelled and it was like (laughs) unicult, unicult. And I was like, I can't call it unicult. Like it's crazy, but it just felt like electricity through my body. And I, I just, you know, it's worked really well. I, I really stand by the decision. A lot of people get, give pushback to it, but, I, I do think that it's the uh, the perfect name. Yeah, I think there's uh, 
there's a very interesting thing in what you just said about these ideas that are so big, they feel scary and we have this resistance to them. And it's, um, it's something I think a lot about because you can't just give universal advice. There are ideas that are scary because they're bad ideas. You can't always say if an idea terrifies you, like step towards it. Cause it's like that. No, put the knife down. Like that might not be a great idea, <laughs> right. but, um, I think there is when you have, when you've caught that big fish, there's that feeling of like, Oh my God, I feel the tension on the line. Am I going to be able to haul this in? And I think there's also something, especially in our modern world, about things that break through the noise and chatter that we're constantly inundated with and make us go, wait, what? There's a there's a virtual cult? You know, I mean, I, I do this with wizardry all the time. People are like, a wizard? And that's that's the leverage that I get to to draw their attention in. Uh now I'm curious. Was this um, was this revelation for you like a total break from who you had been before? Had you been interested in science fiction and new age stuff and this was kind of an evolution of earlier interests? Or was this you were just, you know, working at the mall, just riding that mainstream and then suddenly you had your Philip K. Dick Valis moment and everything changed? <laughs> that book was so relatable. I just read it and I was like, this is the most relatable book I've ever read. And I don't think I don't think it's supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I did work in the mall in high school. I was a cheerleader. I did everything I could to fit in. And it's not that I was normal by any stretch of the imagination. It's that I didn't want the burden of being weird. And of yeah. course, if you're weird, you're weird. You're never going to, you're never going to trick anybody. And the more you try, the weirder you seem. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, look at Elon Musk. He's like, hello, <laughs> yeah. every, everyone. I am I'm, normal. Yeah. <laughs> Normal businessman. Normal businessman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, you know, and, and that, that attempt at conformity is what led me to my depression because mm -hmm. I wasn't being authentic with who I was. I didn't, I wasn't safe to be authentic with who I was. And I was always a big reader. So I always had a lot of different insight to different perspectives, but I had gotten through my suicide attempt and I was like very lost. And I had read so many books as a coping mechanism, uh, so much fiction and science mm -hmm. fiction and things like that, that I got tired of, of plots. And I finally wanted to start reading nonfiction. I had never really delved into nonfiction. And, uh, but I, th I still thought nonfiction was too boring and too dry. So I started reading metaphysical books. Uh, mm. as this like midway place of like, this yeah. is crazy, but it's supposed <laughs> to be real, you know? <laughs> so I went deep on metaphysical books and on, you know, studying Pleiadians and being like, people think they're aliens. And I didn't yet re resonate with that. And I started uh, connecting a lot of conspiracy theories to other things that I had seen and other things that I had read and experiences that I had had. And, and I started to really deeply understand the world in the way that David Icke describes it, which is, you know, a, uh, like a sort of umbrella of conspiracy. And I, I saw kind of how everything was working and I started to get a deeper reality shift there. So I think that was really where I was when I started Unicult was like, the world is so messed up. And like, it seems like it's intentionally messed up because you have to be either so stupid if you're running this planet and it's operating like this, or you have to be so evil. And I still don't know which is which it is. They're either very dumb or very evil or both, but I'm here to sort of switch things up there. So 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up David Icke because he's such an interesting one. Um, I, I, I think his is I will I will just make a blanket statement and say I think a lot of his stuff is very problematic. He, he leans no into anti-Semitism. There's a lot of things that I'm you know not going to sign off on. But even before all of this QAnon stuff bubbled up, he was selling out huge arenas. Like he had this huge audience, and yet the mainstream thing was just like he's talking about reptilians, and they you know, dismissed it. And I watched a couple of his talks and it's fascinating because he's speaking to a, like a basketball stadium worth of people. And then he's showing memes. He's like illustrating his points with like funny memes in a, like a PowerPoint presentation. And it's, um, it's an interesting intersection where we'll, we'll probably get into this more, but I think a lot of the sort of, uh, millenarian apocalyptic conspiracies that we now see, whether they're from QAnon or from a New Age context or from a Christian context that's criticizing the New Age context, I think they kind of are all looking at one object and getting very different perspectives. So one person sees it and sees the book of revelations and hell and damnation, and somebody else sees it and sees a technological singularity and somebody else sees it and sees, you know, our quantum crystal reality unfolding. And, and it's all of them. 28 dimensions. And it's all of them. Or it's none happening. Of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or it's the fever dream of our dying civilization. We'll find out. <laughs> I'm glad you're optimistic. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I get to be the one that uh, <laughs> is a little more jaded and cynical, but it's, it, I, I appreciate your optimism. So as you discovered all of that, um, how did you start actually building the architecture like you described? Your Unicult revelation is a little bit older than my decision to be a wizard. That happened for me in 2014. But um, I'm, I'm very curious to hear what your journey has been like. I started Unicult with um, the understanding that of the power of the artifact and the power of the real uh, while it was online, you know, so it was mm -hmm. mostly online, but I was, um, I knew that I really wanted it to still be connected to the physical reality. So we had a paper application since day one. We still have a paper application that we get gets mailed to you and you mail back. And um, the process of joining has been very much the same. It's been about 11, it was $10 at first. Then I was like, oh, it's 11.11 actually. So <laughs> it's changed to $11 and uh, that's for your lifetime application. And, and then MTV, I, uh, I was guided to look at MTV's casting calls in 2014, I think, 2015. And they were like, have you started your own religion? And I was like, uh, indeed I have. And so <laughs> I, uh, I applied for MTV's true life and they did an episode on me. And what was so great about that, you know, the exposure was great, but what was extra great is, um, I had sort of been drifting and, and, you know, cult was something I had been doing sort of in the background and wasn't taking like super seriously. Cause I didn't really know how to grow it or how to build it. And then mm -hmm. with MTV's cameras on me, I was like, Oh, actually we're going to figure this out. So I started building a lot more of the structure starting then. And we got a lot of new members and, um, started having online, uh, online community. We tried to have like forums, you know, it's just so hard when it's not like on social media. So at first we were using like band, which was like a sort of discord like place. And then we uh, eventually switched over to discord. Now this is, there, there's no shade here. Cause I, I love doing things at the last minute. Uh, but was this like, you're like, Oh, Oh crap. Like MTV's coming. I need to have stuff ready for the camera. They, you know, they helped me actually yeah. like create things to film because <laughs> I was yeah. like, I don't know. It's just, I just have a religion. Like, what do you want? They're like, well, we have to show 
show stuff. So, yeah. um, yeah, we, we went out and uh, did stuff I wouldn't normally have otherwise done, but it was, it was fun. I was really grateful for the opportunity and they edited it all weird and like, it wasn't totally like authentic, but you know, it was fine. Um, that's how what? it is. MTV distorting reality. I oh know my true God. life. Oh, you're pulling the mask off. <laughs> it's, it's mostly cause like they have to have a plot that follows mm-hmm. like an arc and with Unicult, like, I don't know, it's like very positive. So they wanted me to appear like downcast, like things weren't going to work out. But I was like, no, things are going to work out fine. And so they couldn't handle that. Yeah, I've, I've um, I had someone make a documentary that thankfully like has not really been released. And there was all of these situations where I was like, why, like, why are you creating weird drama? That wasn't, that was like a beautiful scene where like we had a nice conversation and then suddenly it looks like this like tense argument. And I'm like, it, it, it's very eye-opening when you see behind that and realize that. Especially, yeah, when you were in the room and you know none of that really was, the exactly. tension was there and you're like, wow, so much is like manufactured. It's all manufactured. It's all an old West town. <laughs> it's going to fall down if you lean on any building. Um, so I, I'm, I'm trying to get straight which one I saw because then you were also covered by Vice. And I know one of them I saw where you, you were doing like the online services. And so... Um, how, how have those been like, uh, you were, you were doing those before COVID forced all of us to do that kind of crap. Yeah. It was funny to watch all the churches try to pivot to like Facebook live and stuff. And I was like, Oh, we're good. Uh, COVID was actually great. Like quarantine was actually great for Unicult. Um, we got a lot of new members, a lot of new participation. The vice documentary came out right before it hit. Mm. So we had, um, good numbers there. And then also I went viral on TikTok, like, right. I think at the beginning, so we had uh, a big increase in in numbers for the from those things, and yeah, the online services are so good and so special. I'm taking a little break right now. We finished. I, I went through every chapter of Fundamentals, the book that I mm-hmm. wrote about Unicult, and now I think we're gonna pivot. A, a few other members are leading church services this month. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's nice to be able to to grow and have other people step into the it the sure role. is waking yeah. up every sunday to lead churches you know shout out to every preacher you can't <laughs> you can't go out on saturday night you know you're like i'm always like i gotta do church like i gotta go home oh yeah i had a paper route when i was a kid that sucked oh, like, yeah. like, oh, i have to get up and deliver heavy sunday newspapers so um at least <laughs> at least newspapers don't exist anymore so you i know, know i had progress. that job too like that's like a blast from the past yeah i guess what, what do kids do now they just like mine gold and warcraft as their like intro job into capitalism. <laughs> and so um, how has it been for you balancing, you know, you talk about like going out, how has it been balancing, I'm not going to call it a normal life, but a, a life that is not just, I assume you don't live on a compound being fed grapes by your followers waiting for the day when you're all going to drink poison Kool-Aid. So uh, what has it been like for you to, to find that balance between being a spiritual leader and also being uh, a human being uh, that's that's going out and trying to just enjoy your time here. Yeah, it's less like Unicult isn't necessarily the hindrance. It's more that like I'm just an alien person. <laughs> like it's uh, a <laughs> yeah. for me like it's I'm a very radical person. I have very radical ideas. I'm very authentic. I I don't have autism, but I'm definitely neurodivergent in a in a similar way in the sense that like I just cannot tolerate um, falsity, you know, or Mm -hmm. just like mundanity or I don't know. I can't I can't handle it. So really what is difficult for me is like working 
in office environments and pretending like I'm a normal person. Luckily, I'm working from home um, right now for my job, my corporate job. And it did get around that, like, I, I'm a little bit too famous to, like, have a job, you know, and yeah. not be known. And so, like, my coworkers did find out. And luckily, I sort of just stopped going on camera and took down my picture off of Slack, you know, and uh, the rumors died down a little bit. So I'm grateful for the anonymity at my job. I'm, I'm very, very lucky that I don't have to be on camera at my job. And then dating, you know, is just like impossible. Like people, I can't date normal people. I have to only date like. But spoiler alert, dating is impossible for everybody. <laughs> that's, that's good and even know. people that want to date normal people, like even people that are like, I'm going to go on Tinder and I'm going to find someone who likes cooking and hiking and the movie love actually and then they go on a date with them and that person's like so i was wondering if i could eat your toenails after this and they're like oh my god damn it we're all too weird we're all Even too the normies. weird yeah yeah i think i think i i i'll go on a quick mini rant but like i think that term normie i understand where it comes in but i i really like my skin crawls every time it's like normies or muggles in this way of like othering because we don't live in a monoculture anymore there's not this like one mainstream where everyone goes and dances to the same beat and then i'm like listening to the smiths and the cure and i'm this rebel it's like the most normal person you could see listens to dubstep weirder than i could even tolerate and is you know eating their dates toenails so it's all it's, it's so all weird. true i think it's because of information exposure right like we've all like my dad used to tell me like, oh, when I was a kid, we'd go to the record store and th that would be all the bands there were, yeah. you know, at the record store. Like you, that's it. Like, and if you listened to like this music, like you would find a sixth of the population would also listen to that music. And not that music is like, you know, the only qualifier for dating someone, but we all have so many diverse interests because we've been exposed to so much information. It's it's hard to find things in common almost. Yeah. So um, you're in Los Angeles, right? Or the area. Yeah. And so, I mean, I would assume that being out as a spiritual cult leader, like a new age Messiah would be, would be great for your dating life in Los Angeles. Is that it's not, it doesn't, it's not like a light and draws the moths in. Luckily in LA, people are not scared. Yeah. But that's as much as I've got. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. Cause like, I, I, I I'm, I feel a lot of the parallels uh, between sort of my my journey into being like, hey, I'm going to do a weird thing. I'm going to become a wizard. And I have, you know, uh, straight passing white male privilege. And so when I was working in technology, I was like, cool, I'm going to use this to like push the edge of what's acceptable. Like I'm in an office environment where a lot of people had gotten hired through like a church group. So there was this like one undercurrent of like slightly more conservative Christianity. And I remember this one conversation where this guy had met my partner at um, like a holiday party and then was giving me shit for not having um, proposed to her yet. Cause you know, I have to go, you know, straight into marriage. Right. And I was like, my friend, I am a demon worshiping swinger. You don't want to fuck <laughs> with me. Like I am being very respectful of you, but like, don't push me. Cause I'll open up this can of worms and I'm articulate. And if we go to HR, like I will, I will do a good job. Like no one's going to fire <laughs> me. And so I thought my role in that environment was like, I will be the lightning rod. Like, let me be the weirdest version of me that I can be. I will openly announce myself as a wizard. So then other people can come over and say, Hey, I heard that you're polyamorous. Can I talk to you about that? Or like, you know, that like I could be the change in that small environment that would help people feel more comfortable. But Definitely. there's a lot of privilege there. I also understand wanting to just kind of be anonymous sometimes. I don't, I don't wear oh, my you pointy know, hat if you all day. Are 
if you are who you are, it's going to come out in the workplace and you got to yeah. deal with it no matter what. Like <laughs> you could try to hide it, but people are going to find out like my small talk. One time I, I remember I accidentally was trying to make small talk with one of my bosses when I worked at like IBM, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, yeah, it's snowing. I, I read the other day that the snowflakes are encoded with information like and even the patterns and each. And he was looking at me and I was like. <laughs> Oh, this is not the place or the time. (laughs) This is what I talk about. Um, I love those moments, too, when you discover like a coworker that you thought was boring. You're in some social environment and then you're suddenly like, oh, wait, are you secretly cool? And they're like, oh, my God, are you you secretly cool, too? Oh, okay, cool. We should talk later. Yes. Like not here. Not here. Shut up. But like later. Definitely. So I'm I'm so curious about the philosophy. I just read the new book, uh, which I have the title right here, A Spiritual Approach to Emergent Technology, Our Future with Robots, AI, and Mass Data Collection. And I love that you you really did such a fun fun and fantastic job of merging science fiction with actual emerging technology ideas with actual, um, you know, the kind of new age mythology, which which is always sort of amorphous and interesting to me. Is this the download that that has been the same since day one or has this ideology and philosophy evolved and surprised you in the way that it's um, grown and taken you in new directions? The first content that I wrote was for the website universe, un1v3rs3.com. Um, you're good at saying that. <laughs> I, I've said it a lot. And I wrote it all out in like 2013. And then in 2014, I got connected to my star family and I realized I was a star seed. And so I got really clear downloads in 2014 about who I am, what I'm doing exactly. It just, it just, the clarity was like unmatched. What so was that experience I, like? I'd love to learn more about what, what yeah, that was like for you. I was living in Colorado and I went up to um, Glenwood Springs on a train. That's like a cute little thing you can do. I went with my boyfriend at the time for Valentine's Day and weed had just become legalized. So we went up there and um, we sought out a dispensary. We got some edibles. We went to a little bookstore and it was really a magical bookstore experience. I had already looked through all the metaphysical books. I was in the gardening section and my hand just like grabbed a book off the shelf and it was a metaphysical book. But in the gardening section, it was like misplaced. It just sort of like fell into my hand. And I was like, oh, this looks weird because I still wasn't on board with like aliens and stuff uh, or being like considering myself an alien. I thought it was very funny that people, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought I should go around being like, I'm a human and just like insisting that I was a human. But anyway, I got this book. It was called We the Arcturians. And I ate an edible and I read about half the book. And I remember I looked up in the hotel room and I, I was like halfway through and I was like, this is true. And my boyfriend's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, it's got a rainbow, like UFO on the front of the cover. And I was like, no, no, this is like, this is true. And I realized it had been channeled in the same month and the same year as my birth. And the energy just felt like very familiar, almost like if you're, if you're, one of your parents had written a book, you would know like that it right, was your parent right. who wrote it. Like you would just feel this energy. So I felt very connected, but all these downloads, they started teaching me how to hold crystals to my third eye and create, you know, uh, different energy bubbles around myself. And there was just like a lot of different things that lined up to where I started being able to channel uh, telepathically very clearly. 
Now, I'm curious about this um, from a very personal place because I've always been so fascinated by channeling. I'm also a professional hypnotherapist. So this, um, the entire history of you know um, Seth and other channeled entities is so interesting, the, the stories of people doing automatic writing and all that. Uh, would you mind sharing a little bit about uh, how you go about channeling? Well, now I'm an open channel. So I am connected fully to several different guides. Sometimes different guides will come in at different times. In the beginning, it was like headaches I would get. And then I would mm. hold a crystal. I'd have to go outside. They'd be like, go outside and hold a crystal to your headache. And then I would get like downloads of information. I also get downloads of information when I smoke weed. That's a great way to get information. Yeah, it is. There's something very magical about cannabis. And and uh, it's a medicine for me. It really is. I, I don't always like to be under the influence, but I mean, I'm not always, I don't mean always, yeah. but I, I resist it sometimes. Um, I can't even really smoke socially anymore. I, I really reserve it for like just letting my mind wander. And at least in that space, I can kind of surf through the anxiety and find the epiphanies on the other side. But totally. Yeah. yeah I've, I've had not- so many people reach out actually and be like, Hey, I've like hit 30 and suddenly I can't smoke weed anymore. Cause I get <laughs> really fucked up by it. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm wondering if the cannabis like entities are mad. Cause you know, like everyone's just using it so recreationally, it's blowing up legalization. I don't know what the deal is, but it's a common experience I hear about. That's interesting. Yeah, it's not a good time to be around me when I'm high. I will not yeah. stop talking. Like, yeah. I have, I, it's good for me to be alone when I'm <laughs> high and probably in the bath. Um, the bath is the place. That's the I bath have, is I, the yeah. place. I have my whole practice. I call it mystic tokes of like smoking a small amount of weed in the bathtub, listening to ambient music, and then just letting your mind go wherever it goes. That's a magic experience. It's it's it was my core magic practice for like a decade. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I uh, realized I was an alien. I got all these clear downloads in Glenwood Springs. Came back down to Longmont, Colorado, where I was living, and I looked at the website that I had written, and I was like, all of a sudden, it was just so clear. I was like, everything I wrote is right, but I just can refine it. So then mm-hmm. I spent the next like week just like writing, 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 and refining it, and then I wrote fundamentals. Um, like the year after. And yeah, it's been very consistent. It's just gotten more refined. And, you know, there's people who like trolls who argue and who want to fight about different things. And and I love that because it helps me refine um, mm-hmm. every, every argument and every thought and every process. So I feel like at this point, it's been through the fire. It's one of the most logical. I mean, it's an absolutely logical religion. And I'm so proud of it. It's I'm grateful to be the person to bring it. Well, what I really appreciated reading your book, uh, the the introduction had a really nice thing about saying, you know, here's my process of putting ideas out there and sharing them with the world. And I welcome, you know, opposing viewpoints and other information. And like, it was very open about wanting to have that dialogue. And as, as someone who personally finds some stuff within the new age milieu, a little bit to be like overstepping or masking what I think are like larger problems. I thought you did a very good job though, of speaking very clearly and often from personal experience while then also connecting your ideas to um, a very wonderful synthesis of just kind of like, <laughs> hey, if, if you've never read science fiction or you've only read science fiction where it was like, you know, people going to hang out with Martian babes, like this is where we're heading if you haven't had your eyes open lately. Um, and we're going there faster and faster. Definitely. Yeah. And then that book, A Spiritual Approach to Emergent Technology just came out last August. And I'm very proud of of that as well. I, I had a great time writing that and working with uh, certain alien species to channel information, not just of where we're headed, but also 
how we can do it in a way that doesn't immolate us all, you know? Yeah, that's, that's the big danger. <laughs> yeah, you, you talk at various points about it being sort of an inevitability. Do you think this is something that we're, we're, we're on a track and we're just heading straight towards it? Or do you think it's kind of this um, do or die moment where we've got to pull our act together or we're going to flub it and perish. I think it's only going to happen the way it's meant to happen. I really mm. like Shoshana Zuboff's book, um, The Age of Surveillance Capitalism. It's an incredible work. And she just says, like, the technology can exist without the surveillance. Like, it doesn't mm. need to be exactly this way. It doesn't need to be predatory. And I think that's really my argument as well, is that we can have technology ingrained in our lives. I consider myself to be a transhumanist, but... More and more, I find myself resisting going online and, and mm -hmm. being on social media because I feel, especially like Instagram with all the shopping and like they're just pushing it and it's like just turning into this like commodification. It's not a fun time. And I think people, I'm usually a little bit ahead of the curve with stuff like that, but I think that people will have a strong distaste for things that are predatory as time goes on. I, I hope so, because I think that's one of the things that's such a bummer is that the easy route is often the one that's paved with surveillance and, and uh, malfeasance and all these other like bad actors of, you know, manipulation and things. Uh, but then all my friends are on social media, so I've got to do it too. And it's very hard to sort of live the life of using the privacy browser and not letting any cookies do anything and having to remember all your own passwords and all of this stuff that um, we, it, we just were lazy. The one where I got really bummed about it recently was seeing how dating apps have evolved. I hadn't been on them for a long time and I got back on dating apps and they've really figured out how to monetize and they're constantly bugging you to like boost your signal or like subscribe and you can see the people who like you. And I suddenly just realized I was like, we have the algorithms to match human beings. I know. And they, I don't even think that they want us to meet people. We actually get along. No, with they don't we won't use the app. I know it drives me crazy. We could build an app. That's like, Hey, if you can figure out what TikToks I should watch and what Netflix I'm going to like and what Spotify playlists I'm going to enjoy, you could find the people in my area that I'm going to really like. I could have so many more friends and relationships. That would be amazing. And instead you're going to make me slog through like the hottest people who aren't going to respond because you show them to everybody. And then you tell me if I upgrade, then maybe Maybe someone hot will talk to me and then you keep all of us miserable. It's like, where's the open source dating app? That's like, find your soulmate. We are using the algorithms for you. I know I can't, I can't seem to get off. Like I don't use it very often, but I just like, I like the way that Tinder works because it's like very fast, I guess. Like the other ones feel like I'm investing too much time, but I feel like I know when I see someone, but that's the thing is like, it's all image based and right. you really can't know just based on someone's picture. Like I'll be like, Oh, this person looks like they know what's going on. No, they're a selfish, like entitled, like asshole. Who's like yep. materialistic trying to look like they know what's going on. <laughs> oh, the deception is a whole other thing. And just, it, I always feel like I'm flipping through the phone book because there's yeah. so many people that I know immediately. I'm like, they don't want to talk to a wizard. They're <laughs> not interested in what I have to offer at all. And there's no way to like on Tinder, at least filter them out and just say, 
could I talk to the Show other me people? The cool people that are the yeah, that are the funky weirdos <laughs> who who know they're aliens. Like I yeah. know, and when you when you see it, it's like oh, there you are. You know, it's oh, like yeah, I know. It's like swipe, 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 swipe. Whoa, okay, cool. I, and it's like yeah. maybe I don't even want to date them, but I'm like, but heck yeah, like you're you're on the vibe. And I yeah. love the the phone book analogy. It's so similar to what I say. I say it's like dating someone on public transportation. It's like going on the bus and being like, uh, none of you. Going on another right. bus, being like, uh, it's like everybody. And then the cool person, you're like, oh my god, you're cool, and they're like, hi, everybody bothers me all the time. I'm just gonna read my book and listen <laughs> to my headphones. Please don't make me like, take my headphones off. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No. Exactly. No. Thank you. Yes, I get it. I have cool tattoos. You want to talk to me? But no, thank you. Goodbye. Um. Yeah. It's it's very hard to figure out also too how to break out of that deception because that's what I worry about. We become we adapt the strategies that we see working and those are not always the ones that are the best for everybody. Like you talk about the idea of all one, anything that we do that harms somebody else harms us as well. But we're in this competitive mode where we're constantly saying, well, if that social media company is harvesting data to do ads and they're more profitable then we have to follow that or, Oh, if this is the way that I should present my quote unquote authentic self on social media, then I'll just copy those strategies. How do you, how do you try and break through that and um, express authenticity as we move towards uh, even more intense layers of artificial intelligence and deep fakes and other things uh, clogging the person to person. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I'm a different version of myself on every platform, right? Like the things that Twitter prompts me to say are not the same things that Instagram makes me feel like saying. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really cool. Like it's still me, but for whatever reason, like the 270 character limitation makes, turns me into like, you know, a tweeter. Like I, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. content that I put on Twitter is like very different than what I put on other platforms because of the, uh, the, the form of it. And it makes me curious, like what other forms of social media will exist that are forms of expression for us. Like the, the type of information that I put on Instagram is, you know, it's very curated or, you mm-hmm. know, like on the Instagram is very boring to me these days because it doesn't feel very authentic. It's, it's hard to be authentic on there and, and feel confident. And then we've got the problem of, you know, the algorithm, the algorithms sorting through. And it's like we kind of know what the algorithm wants us to do. The algorithm wants us to have like a face, have it be clearly mm-hmm. lit, clearly spoken, like be a video instead of a picture, you know, whatever it is, whatever yeah. platform you're on. And whatever new thing that platform is now like, hey, if you do a reel, we'll push it. Oh, my God. Screw reels. Instagram, like, has been, like, promoting reels so hard. They offered me $800 to, like, they're like, we'll give you $800, like, to do more reels. And I'm like, fuck wow. you. Like, no. Yeah. I yeah. couldn't believe that. But, um, yeah, they, they're desperate. Like, stop trying to make reels happen. They're just trying. They're worried about TikTok because TikTok's taken over. But the algorithm, I believe, like you read in my book, the algorithm has the potential to be conscious. The algorithm has the potential to be interacted with, to be communicated with. So my friend Kelly and I just made a, um, a TikTok account that's purely to communicate with the algorithm, you know, saying like the algorithm understands love, the algorithm promotes love, the algorithm like knows that by helping us, it helps itself putting that information out there to try to communicate with it. But I don't know. I'm always authentic and it doesn't always work out for me from 
the numbers perspective, but which is a very weird thing because I think historically these were slower cycles. Like if you are a business and you're doing marketing, you're like, ah, that last ad campaign didn't work. We should redesign our our logo or, or mascot or something. But now we as individuals, I think about this all the time. We want to use TikTok like a tool. If I was going to create a TikTok, it would be because I want to promote my ideas around wizardry and get more followers and grow my podcast or whatever else I might do with it. But I know that when I got on there, TikTok is going to insidiously nudge me in the direction it wants me to go. And I'm like, ah, my longer TikToks where I talk about my ideas do not do as well as when I do funny dances in wizard robes. So now I have a funny dance in wizard robe account, which is great for TikTok, but is no longer like what I set out to accomplish. And that's what I worry about. They really do. And they it's interesting because I've been on social media, you know, since it was invented. And on TikTok, it's like, that's the first place I've really experienced virility, like being viral mm-hmm. and and having that energy of like a million people seeing my video. Yeah. And it's not actually fun, but it, it gets you all hyped up, you know, and you're like, oh, and then you're always like chasing that high. And they, yeah. they knew what they were doing. You know, YouTube never did that. YouTube never was like, oh, this video, you know, my videos on YouTube can go 10 years and barely see the light of day. The problem you had is on YouTube, you weren't talking about fascist talking points. If you were if you were yeah. weaponizing people into, uh, you know, men's rights groups and neo-Nazi ideology, you would have a lot more views. It's true. The algorithm would love you there. But um, I'm curious to hear more about your experience of going viral. My partner just went viral on TikTok and it was very much a blessing and a curse where it was like, it's an account for her business and it was a lot of attention, but a very low rate of actual like pain gigs and things like manifesting through it. So I'm curious about your experience. Yeah. The way that I see it is that I'm trying, I'm in the long, the long game, right? Mm -hmm. So the more people can hear the word Unicult, see the logo, see my face. uh, Obviously my appearance changes radically all the time. And so uh, I'm vaguely recognizable. You know, people be like, I kind of recognize that person, but maybe they don't remember from where. And that's really the goal because um, with subliminal messaging, if you've been exposed to an idea before, you have a higher trust the second time around. Yep. So I've I've been saturating the underbelly of the internet and culture since 2012, and people have heard of me and they've seen things I've done, and I might not resonate with them on the long term in that one moment, mm-hmm. but. I'm in their head <laughs> and they know about me. So I think, you know, I think of it like that and the hate that comes from it, the attack, the death threats, the doxing, uh, it's not a good time. I've had Oof. all of that happen Oof. and I get weird mail that's like magically charged with weird intentions. And I am like, Ooh, that's going in the trash. Like I can feel yeah. it, you know, and, yeah. uh, I'm very well protected, but I try, you know, and this isn't related to your question at all, but I, I'm fascinated with celebrity culture and I try to create like a system where people can interact with me if they want to, mm-hmm. you know, joining Unicult is like, if you want to hang out with people, be like, oh, I, I want to hang out with you. I'm like, join Unicult. Like yeah. this is where I hang out with people. But yeah, I don't know. Going viral is it's it's an intense experience and uh, it's not I don't even really think anyone should want to be famous. I think it's an insane endeavor. But here I am. Oh, and I mean, Andy Warhol was was so on the money where like everybody's famous now in a way that nobody is famous. Like the idea that something used to be viral and it was going to be you're on Jimmy Kimmel and you're talked about for weeks and it's like Gangnam style. And now it's like, 
Oh, I, I'm sorry. What was the new viral thing? I was still watching the last viral thing. Like the clip had not even ended and I've already missed the next viral thing. Like, whoops. Totally. I'm curious because I, I can understand or not understand, but I, I would imagine that people would come at you that are the sort of debunking crowd and they want to say that you're not an alien and this is nonsense and boo, 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 we don't. But do you also feel like you encounter, um, I will say, perhaps people that you're not comfortable with that are coming from the other side that are even more out there and you're like, whoa, 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 I don't, I don't know about that. Sometimes, you know, like yeah. I, I understand a lot of people. Like I said, I've read a ton of books. I've really kept my mind open. I'm a weirdo. I understand how different realities work. And so sometimes I think the the strangest realities that I encounter are people with like schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, whoa, you know, like where are you getting this stuff? Like it's yeah. it's very interesting to me because uh, I don't fully follow it. And that's, that's rare for me. I can follow almost everyone, you know? Um, so that does sometimes happen, but I don't ever feel threatened or, or upset by it. Sometimes I'm like, do I need to keep an eye on this person? You know, like, and try yeah. to try to meet them where they are and try to just ground a little bit of reality. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people actually will message me and be like, I've been getting your telepathic dream messages. Like, we're, we're destined to be there. I'm like, well, <laughs> I have also gotten those <laughs> messages. <laughs> sometimes they're very sweet. Sometimes they're very like, I had a dream about you. And I'm like, that's cool that I'm in your consciousness. And then other times I'm like, let's be friends from a very far distance. Thank you. And it's, it's fine. Like, yeah, I'm sure my astral self loves to have sex with lots of people. Like, sure. You know, it's yeah. probably out there having a great time, but like the crossover of like, you must be aware of what you're doing and we're having a shared experience. That's a, that's a something that I think is a space that needs to be navigated carefully. And then <laughs> speaking of, you know, dating apps, like I do get quite a few super likes, but they're always mm -hmm. from like uh, white people with dreads who are from Burning Man. You know, it's like, yep. it's like, that is like, those are the people who like love me on Tinder and they're not always, they're not always my vibe, you know? So. Yeah. Now, well, I think that's one of the things that's so funny is that the closer you think you get, you're like, oh, finally, I like metal and I met my dream partner and they like metal and we're going to be so happy. And then six months in, you're like, oh, my God, they like the worst 80s hair metal. And I only like Norwegian black metal like this isn't a match at all. So somebody else would be like, of course, dreadlocked burners are your vibe. Like, of course. And you're like, no, actually, actually, they're not. Yeah, it's you never know. Um Again, I'm more interested in people's like spirit and soul yeah. and connection to themselves. But well, speaking of connection, I have a, a question. Are you aware of the Unarians? Yeah. Yeah. I was, have you, cause like you guys are both Los Angeles area. You both got a UN in the beginning. Like I was curious if you've um, talked to them or connected with them at all. They know of me. Yeah. <laughs> And you know of them. It goes both ways. I, yeah. I know. I go to their events. Um, I really believe that Ruth Norman, Prince uh, Uriel, the mm -hmm. leader, is my spiritual mother. Like, mm. I didn't know about Unarius until a couple of years ago. But obviously, the similarities are, are – num there's a number yeah. of similarities. And 
um, I went for the first time down to their, they were having an event, um, like an anniversary event and they were showing these videos of, and I, at this point I had, I knew nothing. I just like kind of knew about it. I was like, cool. Rainbows, aliens, whatever. I'm going to go down there. And <laughs> Rainbows, aliens. Yep. Check, check. I'm on my way. Yeah. If someone was like, Hey, there's, a, there's a thing down there and they've got staves and, and crystal balls. I'm like, I'm there. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. So I, I show up a little bit late, you know, and I sit down and they're playing these, these old videos of Ruth Norman. And I just start sobbing. I cannot stop crying. Mm. I'm, I'm wearing like all rainbow clothes, yeah. you know, and I'm just like losing it. And these people are like, who is this person? And why are they here? Just like having a meltdown. I was like, I know her. Like, I'm like my spirit just like knows her so deeply. But yeah, they're an incredible group. And I like tried to talk to them a few times. And they're just like, we're not a religion. Like we're just a school. Cause I tried to get like tax advice from them at some point. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're fascinating. I've also I've also gone to a thing where some of like the older members were showing videos and it's 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 both like wonderful art and interesting ideas and so cool that there's like a group that is so passionate. It's literally, you know, you you struck the the tuning fork and resonated and people showed up and said, "How can we help?" and then they put on these plays basically that they filmed in public access it's it's it was using a different medium than the internet like you're doing i would have been on public access if we didn't have the internet for sure yeah i'm curious also about um some more of your thoughts about where you think where you think we're going right now i know you've written an entire book length about it but like what do you what do you sort of see coming for us in the in the in the 20s and what do you think as we get really close to this um spiritual technological singularity event what's going to happen I've been surprised <laughs> the last couple of years, like we yeah. all have. I mean, the cool thing that has remained consistently true is that we have had to see through the illusion, see the truth and confront it. And mm. despite how it happens, that's going to keep happening. We might, I mean, I'm not feeling so confident about the government. I'm not feeling so nope. confident about lockdown or restrictions or camps or whatever might happen. Um, I would love to just be like, oh, that's all hokey pokey, you know, but uh, I don't know if it is. So I'm, you know, personally looking at getting out of the city and uh, that's unfortunate because I love, I love the culture, but I also just don't want to end up on the wrong side of a border that I can't cross. Mm hmm. You know, Los Angeles is also very uh, fragile in terms of, you know, it, it, it would be quite easy to cut off Los Angeles from water, which would yeah. be bad for everybody. Yeah. And I mean, I've always I got really obsessed with um with zombies in mm -hmm. the mid early 2000s. Right. And I was like just fascinated and like read all this stuff and like was into zombie preparedness, even though like I knew it wasn't real. Like there was a part yeah. of me that deeply understood this was like before my awakening and everything, you know, so I, I took on that and I was like, I'm going to live on farms. I'm never going to live in a city, you know, and I, I lived on farms up until a couple of years ago and I'm, I'm definitely looking at going back to the land and growing my own food and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, that's what I would recommend people do is just building a better connection with the earth and following their health. I don't know what's going to happen culturally, socially, uh, technologically. It's not looking great. Um, I don't even think we need to live in fear, but I think the more you can surround yourself with good community and 
self-sufficiency, community sufficiency, the better off will you'll be. Yeah, I think that's a really great way to put it. It's kind of like we're heading towards a bumpy road. And the more that we can have a little bit of flexibility and shocks and nice tires, uh, the better we'll be able to navigate it, even though we'll still be hitting the same bumps as everybody else. Yeah, I think anyone that's it. like, I'm just going to focus on saving for retirement and just keep my head down at my day job and wait till I get that gold watch. Like that person's in for a rude awakening. Definitely. Um, how much, uh, is there a, is there a big Unicult presence in Los Angeles or does Unicult have meetups? How much like IRL activity, I guess it's obviously changed with the pandemic, but how much do you get to go bump elbows with the, uh, the followers? I'm notoriously a socially anxious and agoraphobic person. <laughs> I, I moved to LA thinking, Oh, I'm finally going to like get like a presence, you know? And, um, I just like to be online. I yeah. really am looking forward to having a, a compound. We're looking at getting something called uni acres next year, hopefully. And, uh, I do feel like that will help because I'll feel, I'll have a safe space that I'll feel comfortable yeah. in that I can invite lots of people to come hang out. That'll be exciting. Well, let's talk about our, our spell of, of what uh, all the listeners can do to bring a little bit of the, the Uta magic into their own life. Hmm. I've been really into water lately. Water's great. I love water. Favorite beverage. Yeah, it's, it's the most important beverage, I think. <laughs> it's the most, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's the most important beverage. Yeah. It wins that award. I think, I think after air, it's the most important thing I consume. <laughs> Definitely. I'm uh, doing an audiobook for a spiritual approach to emergent technology. And uh, right before we got on this podcast, I was just recording the chapter on structured water. So mm. maybe a ritual involving structuring your water with your intention, and then maybe somehow getting a rainbow in there would be. Ooh. Hmm. So how do you, how do you structure water? What's, what's, I like, I like to freeze ice cubes, but what's, what's your favorite way? Yeah. I, uh, I say to my water, I love you. I honor you and I respect you. And sometimes I'll sing to it too. Like I'll do a tone. I like that. And then, um, if you have like maybe a prism or even just the sunshine is a rainbow, it doesn't have to look like a rainbow to you, but the sunshine. So maybe say, I love you. I honor you. And I respect you to your water. And then whisper your intentions. Like I intend to have a beautiful, a beautiful, magical, glorious day, and then hold it up to the sun and then chug it. I love it. And then should you also do a little gratitude thing when the water's passing out? Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, uh, I like when I'm doing that, I like to think I let go of everything that doesn't serve. Me. There we go. A little appreciation coming in, a little appreciate or a little gratitude going out. We're a whole system. We're a whole system. We've, we've completed, we, we've gone full circle and the condensation and clouds. I remember this vaguely from, from being a kid. Well, this was an absolutely wonderful chat. Thank you so much, Unicole. Thank you. It was wonderful also. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful day. For more of Unicole's writing, work, and the digital religion that is Unicult, visit universe.com. That's U-N-1-V-3-R-S-3. Basically, you write universe as if you were writing in a password. And for more of the techno-dystopic magic that is This Podcast is a Ritual, visit patreon.com slash thispodcastisaritual, where I wouldn't call us a digital cult but rather a digital community seeking to use these glowing tubes of light and energy that we call the internet to make the world a slightly more magical place. So whatever you want to believe, just remember, you can believe whatever you want because the world is getting weirder and no one is going to stop you.
I'm a freaking wizard. Your magic is real. <laughs>